Did you get a bit out of that video? A bit of fun, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know about you, but I've been challenged with this series, that's for sure. And, um, and certainly to think about my Christmas and what, you know, does it look like? And I know I have to say that the minute you hit December or the minute the word December is mentioned, I grit my teeth and my breathing starts changing. So, you know, that's kind of uh, the way that I see it play out in my head. Um, and so I really want change in that. <laughs> I want to breathe normally and stop gritting my teeth and, and, and really actually embrace, you know, the reason for the season, who Jesus is. And so I'm really being impacted by this series and I hope you are too. So, um, and of course, you know, it is all about Jesus. And so where is he in that season for you? And that's, so we're going to talk about, um, and I love, yep, Sherlene uh, looked at worship uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Megan, last week, we spend less, and today we're the topic of give more. And you probably stopped and go, it's so contradictory. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> but Megan framed this beautifully and set, set me up so well because she said, it's spend less to give more. So I want to really highlight that. It's still probably really confusing, So, um, but they work hand in hand, and so... Stay with it and hopefully you'll catch on. Megan also mentioned, as we heard today, the crippling debt that Christmas can leave many of us in. And that um, purposeful, intentional giving, loving giving, you know, it comes from the heart, is actually freeing. And so that's what we want to be on about. Advent is not just a season of spending, but a season to remind us to celebrate Jesus. And I love even that thought about not Christmas spirit, but Holy Spirit. So let's follow on and let's just open with a word uh, of prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this time. Let my words be your words. Let it flow, Lord God, into each one of our hearts. Lord, let the seeds that are planted that will change lives today and set our generations up well, Lord God. Lord, that you be the centre of our attention in this season that is to come, that you lead and direct us in all our giving and all our spending. And Lord, that you are King and Lord of all. In Jesus' name, amen. So, did you know that giving is actually really healthy for our bodies? soul and spirit. So it's really funny how biblical principles actually are good for us. Who go figure that. Giving cultivates self-worth. It's not working, never mind. <laughs> teaches kindness and care over self. It teaches responsibility. How to earn money so you can bless somebody else. Giving actually improves your mental health because you actually focus on someone else and not yourself. And that is so good for your mind, body, and soul. And actually giving inspires others to give. Praying for somebody or paying for them, you know, especially a stranger, inspires others to then go out and give. There's a number of quotes. Anne Frank said, No one has ever become poor by giving. Happiness doesn't result from what we get, but from what we give. Ben Carson. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give, Winston Churchill. So I hope last week started a couple of conversations in your home about spending and what spending going to look like over Christmas. Well, today I hope those conversations continue, but over giving. Because parents, I want to encourage you, you're actually teaching your kids 
these principles, you either know it or you don't, but you're teaching your kids. So the best place to start is a reason for the season, and that's Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus was himself the perfect example of giving. He gave himself fully and totally. And I want to be clear. Jesus, I'm sure, knew about spending. He paid his tithes, he pays his bills, and he paid his taxes. So, but Jesus gave sacrificially, he gave lovingly, and he gave relationally to all of us. So his gift was not monetary in any way, shape. I mean, that would be laughable, wouldn't it, you know, to consider the cost. But when you consider the cost, it actually is said that it bankrupt heaven to bring us that gift. So the gift is an immeasurable for, but without dollar figure. All right, not to be confused with Jesus in any way, but a big part of Christmas is Santa Claus. Yes, he was a real person. He lived in around the third century. And he was later named St. Nicholas. The Dutch called him Claus, and that's where we get Santa Claus from. So he was raised by parents who loved Jesus, but later lost both of his parents to the plague. And so he received a large inheritance. You know, his first thought was, I want to spend it how Jesus would spend it. So he continued, he gave to the poor. He just gave to the poor. And I love that he gave secretly. So he would go round at night and put gold coins or silver coins into children's shoes. So he became legendary for secret giving. And I love that he did reflect Jesus' heart for giving and giving to those in great need. And I realise how nice that Santa still visits our kids <laughs> because we can give thanks to God for the same overflowing, generous heart. And I want us to focus on that, you know? Okay, of course, we strive to have that overflowing, generous heart. And I'm sure many of you suddenly think about, well, I don't have that same means. I don't inherit a large fortune. And we just forgot that Jesus gave a gift that was without measure, but it didn't cost a cent. So... Do we really think the dollars make a difference? Do they really place a value on the gift by spending? How much, you know, do we need to spend to place that dollar? Well, let's get another little reminder. So we're just going to watch a video. Great news, Leonard. I've solved my penny gift dilemma. Yippee. You see, the danger was that I might under or over reciprocate, but I have devised a foolproof plan. I will open her gift to me first and then excuse myself feigning digestive distress. Then I'll look up the price of her gift online, choose the basket closest to that value, give it to her, and then I'll return the others for a full refund. Brilliant. Hmm. It is, isn't it? <laughs> is it okay if I hide them in your room? That smell makes me nauseated. Do whatever you want. Thank you. That's very gracious. <laughs> Gentlemen. 
why couldn't you have just done what Leonard did and get Penny a new boyfriend? My leg is killing me, thanks for asking. <laughs> Christmas. How's your leg? Very good. Thanks for asking. Come on in. Oh, good, Penny. You're here to exchange gifts. You'll be pleased to know I'm prepared for whatever you have to offer. Okay. Here. I should note I'm having some digestive distress. So if I excuse myself abruptly, don't be alarmed. Oh, a napkin. Turn it over. To Sheldon, live long and prosper. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, he came into the restaurant. Sorry, the napkin's dirty. He wiped his mouth with it. <laughs> I possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. Is it? Here. Leonard, look, Sheldon's hugging me. It's a Saturnalia miracle. I just love it. Doesn't that illustrate it so well? Um, and I love the fact that he actually finished with a hug. <laughs> he had to go all out for Sheldon. That was his biggest gift of all. <laughs> but some gifts are infinite and cost almost nothing. So it's a great reminder. There's a quote by Brennan Manning that says, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There's no neutral exchange. This idea that every interaction that we have with another human being gives me the opportunity to give and to give life. It doesn't matter if your next encounter is a small conversation, chat over the counter, an email, a business meeting, whatever it is, we have the same opportunity to give. And so I wonder, even every day, how much more I could give. And I think about it, that I could give more praise, I could give more joy, more hugs, more affirmation, more time, and I could simply, you know, give more love. So let's talk about practically for a moment and let's talk about some of the gifts that have even impacted me. I must be one of those words persons because I love people who write cards and really write a heartfelt card. And I've just got a drawer full of them. So, you know, don't diminish small things because they can be powerful. Or I've even got a couple of really old cards, but they were so much fun, okay, that a girlfriend made for me, this one. 
It's just birthday cards, right? But she went to the trouble. All she gave me was a whole lot of these unwrapped chocolates <laughs> in, a, in a bag. But, but just the time that it took, you know, it just spoke volumes because her gift was from the heart, right? Not from the dollar, not from the pocket. This is another uh, birthday card, um, and I won't reveal the, the front, which reveals the age. But the number of, uh, you know, the age reveals the words. How many? <laughs> There's a lot of words there. Um, somebody else that just spoke words over me and into me. You know, powerful. It was powerful for me. So I got a jar full of my recent birthday of uh, biscuits. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no one saw that. <laughs> Recent, recent. Oh. <laughs> I got a jar full of my favourite biscuits from a girlfriend and, and there was a biscuit for every year. It was a fairly big jar. But um, I loved it. I loved it. My daughter, Kat, knows how to celebrate. She knows how to create memories. And uh, what she does every Christmas with her group of friends is they come around, they pick a theme, and then they say that they will bring a gift, one gift of $5, no more than $5. You might say, where's the generosity there? But they actually pick, go for the worst present, not the best, the worst, right, in the theme. And I can tell you, she can remember every year for the last eight years that they've done it, what the theme was, what the gifts were given, because they created a memory of great joy. It's not in the dollars. Megan and Judah spend time Christmas Day. They plan and book a holiday of some court, whether it's a couple of days away. And that's their gift to each other. Um, I have a girlfriend who loves ethically resourced gifts. She doesn't care what it is, as long as it's ethically resourced. So I got a, that's a challenge for me to kind of go and look that up. I made Christmas puddings last year because, again, we did the Advent conspiracy and I realised I need to create some relationships and build some relationships at work. So I made all these little, tiny, singular Christmas puddings and I gave them to everyone at work. And I can tell you uh, that started something, you know, at work in terms of relationships and, and did some repair. It was amazing. But I really also believe that the gift goes before a giver. All right, it opens a path for the giver. So I actually had two extra plum puddings left over that I'd made and there was a driver whose wife was sick. So I gave them to him. And do you know he came back to me after Christmas and said, he's got no family and he said, Robin, we, don't, we didn't have anyone to celebrate Christmas with. We only celebrated with those two puddings. And that was all they had. So you don't know what you're doing by some small gift, all right? Um, my father-in-law always said, do your giving while you're living. And he, he actually lived that. And, and that actually, I've seen that play out in other people's lives as well. So I love it. I'm also a little older, um, hopefully a little wiser, but I can reflect back on some of the gifts that I got as a child. Well, I can't remember that many, to be honest. <laughs> and... And the reason is because it's not necessarily what I valued, okay? And, and so what I do remember, I do remember my parents' time. And I remember particularly my father, that he was generous with his time wherever he could be. Even when my kids were little, he would come out, go shopping with me, hold the pram, and while I tried on clothes, whatever it was, he would push Megan on the swing for hours while I cooked dinner. 
the generosity that he had on his time has impacted me forever. Your children may very unlikely remember your gifts, but will remember your generosity of your words, your love, your time, your praise, your passion. So don't begrudge what you're giving and give generously. As Christians, we're called to give. It's in our DNA and central to God's heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love this, that it's chosen out of love, it's chosen not out of pressure, but it's, um, you know, it's from the heart. And, I, I, you know, I've been challenged with the expression of, um, you know, it's the thought that counts. You, you've heard that expression, it's the thought that counts. Well, I actually kind of disagree. I suddenly realised it's actually the heart that counts, you know. So just challenge your heart in, in your giving. Deuteronomy 15.10, give generously to them so that they, so that, sorry, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Giving has a lot of rich promises, doesn't it? It's a paradox when we are so blessed to give. So spending is just the dollars, right? But giving, just as Jesus gave, is sacrificial, it's relational, and it's from the heart. So what about giving to those with no expectation of anything in return? Giving because they cannot. Giving for those in need. Do you know it's the best way to practice our, our thankfulness to God? God opens our eyes, opens opportunities, and opens our hearts to kind of come around these people or change circumstances. Giving sacrificially might mean spending less. It might mean going without, but to see a need changed. I love the idea of, you know, you hear it every year, creating the shoeboxes, getting your kids to kind of buy something and put into a shoebox for somebody else you don't even know and you trust God's going to bless that family. It's incredible. Giving to crisis families that have lost their homes in the fire, giving both practically and financially, giving to our hamper appeal. You guys are incredibly generous. Giving to our frontiers. Rick spoke about that. Man, it does impact me. Giving to whoever we, we see a need and giving a meal when it's required. So many ways we can give with real impact. Acts 10 I love this scripture. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a, distinct, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. You know, I, I sit and reflect on that. But, you know, he even you know, mentions his generous prayers, his prayers and his generosity to the poor has come up. It's got God's attention. So it might have been money. It would have been money. He would have been well off. But it would have been food. It would have been practical application. 
might have been clothing, wherever there was need, he was obviously willing to help meet it. And then I think about some of the disciples, how they gave incredibly. You know, I even think of the scripture, silver and gold have I none, but what I give in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Can you imagine the impact that had on that family? Huge, immeasurable. (laughs) Then I think of Mother Teresa, who was completely poor, without any means, but known around around the world for generations as somebody who was generous to the poor and had extraordinary, extravagant love. Amazing. So as I get the band up, we'll just... Um, 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I love that all this points back to God. What's in your hand? What can we be generous with? Money, time, food, words. The list is endless. So let's set our minds to give from the heart, not necessarily from the pocket, might be, but to give as Jesus gave. He gave generously on all occasions, giving sacrificially, lovingly and relationally. Let's see a new rhythm around our lives with spending and giving. Jesus gave his life. Let's live a life of giving. Mother Teresa says, is not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. And I just love that thought because it's from the heart. So let's spend less to give more. We'll just pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'll just spark something new. You'll plant seeds in our hearts that are going to grow. Lord God, that you impact us with words. You impact us with the way you gave to us sacrificially, lovingly and relationally, that it will overflow out of our heart unto others that we meet, be it in the street, be that we know about, that we hear online or in our family. Oh God, that we're ready with open hands to meet need. Father, that we're ready with open hearts to just pour out our love, pour out our love wherever you direct us. And I just thank you for this time, Lord God, that in this season, in this season of Christmas, we lift you up first and foremost, Lord God, that our eyes are attentive on you. And Father, that you will set up our families well, because your word says that you will, that we will be blessed when we give. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.